Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, an online marketing educator, leader of an incredible global community of female entrepreneurs and a content creator based in Melbourne, Australia. This show is designed to bring you practical strategies and candid real stories of entrepreneurs to help you make marketing, mindset and money your superpowers. Let's get into the show. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm speaking with the beautiful interior designer, Sarah Yarrow, who I met through my coaching program, The Modern Marketing Collective. And Sarah shares how she generated $185,000 in revenue in nine months. Sarah is the owner of Sarah Yarrow Interiors, And their purpose is to create beautiful, calming places to connect and restore while empowering their clients to select responsibly sourced pieces that are kind to the environment while also supporting local. Sarah's work has been featured in a number of national print magazines, including Home Beautiful, Inside Out, and Australian Women's Weekly. We discuss how she ended a business partnership the clever ways that Sarah managed to attract her first clients, showing up as herself rather than who she thought she needed to be. And this includes ditching the high heels for sneakers, choosing the right lead magnet for her brand, a simple tweak that helped to generate more inquiries and clients and really plays to Sarah's strengths, a breakdown of Sarah's revenue. And she actually realized after we finished recording that the 185,000 that she refers to as being made in about a year was actually generated in just nine months. How and why marketing feels easier and less forced now for Sarah and a whole lot more. You can find Sarah at Sarah Yarrow Interiors and that is S-A-R-A-H-Y-A-R. R-O-W-Interiors.com and on Instagram at Sarah underscore Yarrow. Now, before we bring on Sarah, I want to read out one of the latest reviews. And this one is from Ali at Bruni Pines Shack, which is a family life blog and Airbnb in the works. Ali says she first heard Emily on the Word Fetty podcast, which was with Anita and shout out to Anita. I know that's been a super popular episode. I was on Anita's podcast and Anita was on my podcast too. So they were super popular episodes. So Ali said, I first heard Emily on the Word Fetty podcast where she talked about her mental health and what she's overcome to become the incredible person she is. And then I had to listen to her podcast. Her insights and really concise tips are not only solid gold, but her tone and the way with words is so encouraging. Her kindness shines through with every episode and I always come away with something handy for my business. Thank you so much, Ali. That is just absolutely lovely. And if you, you've been listening for a while or perhaps you're totally new here, but you enjoy the show, scroll on down past all the episodes in Apple Podcasts until you get to the section that says ratings and reviews. Tap on the little bit of text there that says write a review. And I would absolutely love if you could leave me one there and let me know about your business name so I can give you a shout out too. Okay, let's bring on Sarah. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. 
Oh, thanks, Emily, for having me. I'm um, I'm been such a big fan of the show, and I've been listening since episode one now. So um, it's so nice to be on the other side. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. I'm so excited to chat with you. For those that haven't heard of you before, what is it that you do? Who are you? I have a business called Sarah Yarrow Interiors. So it's a Sydney-based interior design business. I work primarily in residential. So basically, I help clients uh, renovate their existing homes and make updates to just make their homes work better for their lives. Or sometimes the renovation has already been done. So it's just about assisting them with furnishings and stylings to put the finishing touches on their home. I think I find a lot of clients never quite get around to that finishing off stage. You know, they usually get caught up in work and family and and either don't have the time or just don't know what to purchase right at the end. I mean, there's so many options out there for all of us. Um, So it kind of just becomes a bit overwhelming for people. And um, I think by the time clients come to me, they usually, they've either bought things and made mistakes and yep. then regret that <laughs> or they're too scared. They have like analysis paralysis and so mm-hmm. then they're too scared to buy anything and they don't end up um, ever finishing it. So either way, I um, I help clients with that. So um, yeah, it's a hugely rewarding job actually. It's extremely humbling, I think, to be invited into someone's home and uh, I know that the work that I do genuinely has a huge impact on people's lives like people's everyday lives which is Mm -hmm. such a honor to be part of and knowing that it is having an impact on how they live in those spaces and you know whether that's that they have more functional storage and it makes getting out the door of a morning easier or that they've got a you know a relaxing bedroom to to enjoy each night and means they get a good night's sleep so that their work is um, far more effective the next day like that's a pretty special thing to be part of of people's lives so um, yeah I get to do that and I definitely have a focus more and more on like sustainable design and supporting Australian design and manufacturing and all of that so that is definitely evolving in my work as well so I love it and I can tell that you love your work which is just the best have you always been in the interior design field? Take us back to where your business started because I know it has been through a, an evolution as well in terms of it had quite a big change. So take us back to when you first got your start in this industry. I definitely took the windy path to get here. That's for yeah. sure. There was, <laughs> there was no linear. I've been on that path myself. <laughs> I think it's the only way to go, to be honest. So I always had very much this um, gypsy spirit. Yeah. And um, so I was never going to just sort of, you know, leave school and go straight into design school and all of that. So I actually ended up studying um, sports marketing and um, initially uh, for no other reason that I loved sport <laughs> and um, I, I won a scholarship to, to do that. So um, oh, wow. I kind of just fell into that. But really all I wanted to do was go travelling. So in my mid-20s, I set off and went backpacking for three years and um, it was the best experience I could have ever had. Mm. I needed to get out and explore who I was I just had this burning desire of like what am I supposed to do in life and I don't want to just fall into some work and um you know buy a house and be like there's so much more out there my parents were quite young when they met and married and settled down and had me and that and my mum especially always wanted to travel and she never really got that chance so from this early age Mm -hmm. I was very much encouraged to go and travel and see the world so I set off and um I lived and worked in an orphanage in Vietnam initially 
had that experience, met some incredible people out of that, travelled to Southeast Asia. I lived in northern Thailand for a few months. I did yoga and meditation and all of that, which is my other passions. And then I, I ended up in Italy. I lived there for a couple of months and taught English and lived with a family there and um, I pretty much just travelled my way around. That's so amazing. <laughs> I vividly remember thinking, I'm never going to get this time in my life ever again. I just need to yeah. enjoy it. So I'm, I'm so glad I did. Um, and then when I came back, I was, I won't say that I was a new person, but I'd found who mm. I was. Mm. And um, it just allowed me to really blossom and think clearly in that. And by that stage, before I went travelling, I'd ended up in um, working in real estate it was more just from a love of property, really. I, I knew when I was a little girl, we moved house quite a few times. So by the time I was a teenager, I'd lived in something like 12 different houses. Wow. And um, so I just had this love of property and architecture and just the real interest in that. So anyway, I ended up in real estate and I was working as an EA to the COO of quite a large business. Mm. And he and the owner of the business were just, I don't know, they saw something in me and they taught me how to run a business knowing that I would one day go out and do my own thing mm. so I was quite fortunate in that I got to just learn all the back end of things yeah. and operations and um, like what a profit loss statement was and how board meetings were run and all of that all the stuff that we leave school having no idea about exactly there's like you have your trade and your craft and then you mm. have your business and yeah. in my experience now running the business is like 80% of the time, the stuff. <laughs> I can do my trades, like yeah. with my eyes closed, no problem, but it's it's all the other stuff. So yeah. without even really knowing it, I was experiencing that. And um, so I ended up, um, they would acquire new real estate offices. So I would then look after the managing the fit out of those offices yeah. and um, the operations and, you know, just being the go between the builder and the architect and us as the client. Wow. So um, it was kind of, that was the catalyst moment where I thought, oh, hang on, this is actually what I'm, this is what I've been looking for. It's so good when you find that, isn't it? It's just like, hang on, I think this is it. And it was that whole thing of like um, following the breadcrumbs, like just mm. follow the breadcrumbs in life. And eventually yeah. you do find that that purpose of what, what you need yeah. at that point in time. I went to design school. I studied it at the time. I um, I then got a job working in design as well, got paid nothing, was yep. like working full-time, <laughs> studying full-time. I was just about to get married. We bought a house. Like everything was just happening at once, you know. <laughs> but I just, yeah, put my head down and, and plowed on through. And um, then, yeah, so sort of within that time I worked for other people, learned my craft and trade, but I, I always knew I was going to have my own business. So then I, I kind of started off on my own and then um, I quickly went into a business partnership with a friend. And um, I think the thing about when you first start out in business, it feels a bit scary. And mm -hmm. so the idea of doing it with somebody else yes. feels a bit safer. And totally. I think that's kind of what I had and what my friend had in mind as well. And I think, I mean, lots of people warn you about business partnerships and, and all of that. And we took all of that on board, but we also were pretty smart about it and did as much as mm -hmm. we could to preempt how that was going to work. Like we had a contract yeah. in place. We had exit strategy. We'd done... Um, 
like business coaching and um, we'd done personality tests to work out in terms of what our strengths and weaknesses were and like these instinctive driver tests to work out what we were naturally, how we were naturally driven. And that really helped form, okay, this is your job role. This is my Mm. job role. And so we were quite clear about that sort of stuff. And the business had quite a bit of success. So we were together for nearly two years, but I think just it was one of those things as well. Like it just sort of ran its course and we were both Mm. ready to go and do our our own thing. So great experience. And that was a great step into having my own business Mm. um, and working with clients and just sort of testing the waters on that sort of thing with the safety of somebody else. Like ultimately it didn't work out, but that felt like the best thing to do for me upfront. Do you think it was like a part of going into the partnership was that you didn't trust yourself fully or you didn't have the full confidence in yourself? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I felt like we complemented each other's skill set around that. I would not change a thing about that at all. It was a really, really incredible time. It wasn't to last forever, but yeah. that's okay. That's like so many, so many things in life don't mm-hmm. last forever. So um, yeah, it was what it was for the time. And out of that, we learned so much from each other yeah. that we could then both take into our own businesses. So, so yeah, that was the first two years essentially. And then and um, I went out on my own. So this, I'm now coming to the end of my second year on my yeah. own. So last year was the first year and um, there was a lot of like stuff that I had to deal with around. Mm. Oh my God, I feel like a failure. You know, everyone warned me not to go into a business partnership and you yeah. feel like a bit of an idiot. Like really? Honestly, dude, mm. I just had this like thing playing out in my head of yeah. like, oh gosh, now I have to start again and who am I yeah. on my own type thing and, <laughs> and creating that whole new identity around this is actually me, not yeah. me in this partnership type thing. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff I had to work through on that, which was so good for um, just general personal development, to mm-hmm. be honest, which I'm really, really into anyway. But I guess it helped me, force me to face a lot of things that maybe I wouldn't have had to face. What type of things? Things like I don't need to worry about what anyone else thinks of me Mm. in business or in life. It's okay to like swim in my own lane. And um, one thing that really came out for me was I almost had this stereotypical thing in my head about what an interior designer looks like or acts like or is. And I sort of thought in my head to charge high prices to have this high-end brand to, um, you know, attract these clients that had the level of wealth to work with an interior designer, but also to be doing the um, types of projects I wanted that I needed to look a certain way. I needed to speak a certain way. And it was this whole, like, you know, I needed to be wearing high-end designer clothes and high heels with beautiful red soles on them and, yeah. you know, look this certain part. And I'm so not like that. Like anyone who's seen photos of me, I am all about jeans, T-shirt. I love my trainers. Like I, I'm just How? super down to earth about that. I just felt like I wasn't fitting that part. So therefore mm. it was equating me to I'm never going to charge those prices. I'm never going to be able to be that high-end designer. But actually going through the process and the last two years has taught me, no, you know what? The most success I've had is when I've just been myself 
and people see that I'm super down to earth and approachable and they love that I wear jeans and a t-shirt and trainers and that I don't get super dressed up. And it doesn't mean that people who have money who want to hire a designer, they're like that too. It's just that you attract those people who um, are the right fit for you because the people who want that stereotypical designer, in my own head stereotypical, Mm. they will seek out and find that designer. But the person who wants the really down-to-earth designer that can still do really nice interiors, that still charges good pricing, like all of those things, I can be both. That's probably been a huge thing that going through that whole experience with the partnership and feeling like hitting rock bottom, oh, my God, I've got to start again, Mm. or being who I thought I had to be, stripping that back and going, you know what, let's just be me, it's sort of just gone from strength to strength. Oh, I'm so glad. Like, how amazing that you've gone through that because it is a process. You can't just kind of click your fingers and it happens you do like it it can be a bit painful and confronting and scary leaning into being just more just who you are and then realizing that that's like totally okay and that you will attract the people that you want to attract when you when you just be yourself yeah I can I know so many people relate and I don't know when I started my business it was the same like wear a pencil skirt and a and a blazer and be professional How's your business changed over these past two years? Take us like, what was it like kind of a couple of years ago and then today? What have been the biggest changes in terms of let's look at first of all, maybe what you are offering? I initially offered just one consultation and there was just one price point. I didn't have varying price points. Mm -hmm. So that was probably in hindsight, a barrier for people to access me. I think I've just slowly increased the pricing on that. And also I, um, I didn't have a way for people to connect with me in terms of like, I, yeah, I had a website and there was like a contact page and all of that, but there was no real invitation for people to get in touch with me. And I have this whole brand value about, about being approachable and engaging and all of that, but actually I wasn't doing that with what I was putting out in marketing. So, um, I think in that first year, I mean, one, there was a lot of seed sowing firstly, but a big part of that was in terms of marketing was um, sorting out uh, my branding and strategy and what that sort of all looked like. And a part of that was getting business coaches involved. So in that first year, I would have spent close to 15,000 on different business coaches all different kinds. Some were male, some were female, some were um, very business driven, some are quite sales focused, some are quite spiritual and which is that's my hippie side coming out. (laughs) But all of them gave me something um, Mm. and I I took away what I needed at that point, I suppose. And you were one of those, Emily. So part of that was working out, okay, how are people getting in touch with me Mm. and what am I offering to them? But um, I guess just a step before that was a lot of that first year was basically just getting out and talking to people. Like I had a lot of coffees, like a lot of coffees that first year. (laughs) And it was basically just to, I suppose my business is such a personal service. You're in people's lives, like in their intimate spaces Mm. for quite a long period of time um, that you spend together. So they really have to know you and like you. So a lot of my strategy came from having word of mouth referrals is hugely important. So yes, I I now have, you know, a digital strategy in place, but 
right at the start, it was all about personal engagement. And I think as much as social media and digital strategy is important, nothing is going to fast track your relationship mm-hmm. building than a face-to-face. So I was yeah. really, I guess I was really adamant about um, starting that up front. So I really recognized, okay, who are my strategic people that um, mm-hmm. can help me get jobs and get the word out there? So I, I identified uh, real estate agents were really important for me. Homewares um, stores that yeah. didn't offer an in-house interior design um, service were also really important and then other business owners that were interacting with people that had property I mean most most people have property whether you own or rent everyone has a home so it was about um okay is it accountants is it lawyers um is it like um hairdressers beauticians Mm -hmm. those people that are talking to people about oh I've just bought a new house so I really need to update it um you know you kind of that's what you start to talk to your hairdresser about or your um, beautician about so part of it was conscious and strategic Mm -hmm. but the other part was I didn't look at it as like this is networking Mm -hmm. I looked at it like how can I just go and start to build a relationship with somebody and I think this is the mistake people make when they think about okay who can help me get where I want to be or who can help me get in front of these people And I feel like that's the wrong approach. It should more be like, okay, how can I get to know this person? Just like be a normal human being and talk to them (laughs) like you would if you're at a barbecue or a cocktail party or something like that. Just have a chat, get to know them, build rapport. Because once you start building rapport and they see what you're like, they're going to naturally refer you anyway. Mm. As soon as somebody mentions, you know, interior design, then you're going to be top of mind anyway because you've just sat, you've had a coffee, you've talked about, you know, what they do on the weekend, their family, like where they live, like just basic sort of stuff. And it paid off because then those first jobs in that first year all came from one was a referral from the homeware store that I was aligned with and the other one was a referral from a friend who's a beautician. And both those jobs ended up being hugely successful. They were both featured in National Interiors magazines, both featured online did before and after videos of them and the clients did video testimonials. So like they were huge. But that all came from just building rapport and relationships. And this is the difference between being active and then being passive. And you weren't sitting there being like, well, I'm posting on social media and I've got a website. So where are the clients? And just hoping they're going to come to you. But you got the momentum going because you went out there and you found those people that you were like, right, let's just make connections. And when you're starting out, it's so important to do that. Through that, it meant that, yes, I started getting jobs, but then I could start to figure out, okay, who are my people out of this? Exactly. Like, who are the clients that I want to be working with? Because it's all very well to have this, oh, this is my ideal client. But until you start working with those people and figuring out mainly who you don't want to be working (laughs) with. That's it. You can have an idea, but then you've got to start working with people to realize who you actually, yeah. Exactly. So that really helped. And as well in that first year, I was also setting up, like figuring out who I was because then that helped me determine, okay, what is my social media messaging? What's a copy on my website? Who am I actually speaking to? And that has changed so many times just through doing volume of jobs because the clients tell you who they are and what their problems are. So it sounds so simple. And I think going back to those business Mm. coaches, like regardless of whether like which coach it was, essentially they were telling me business is, it's simple. It's just like find out who has a problem, like what's their problem, 
how do you fix it and how do you do it better than other people and then track it and then repeat it like it it sounds so so simple that's the thing business is simple and it might not like always be easy but you can make it simple and we think we need to do like all these different things and we're like no 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 no. hang on if we just focus on this Exactly. And that first year is hard because you are trying to figure out who those people are. I definitely know that I undercharged for things in that first year. And just because it was almost like I was paying to learn, like paying in time to learn. So I might charge less for to do a consultation or less to do a job because I want to test out my systems and processes Mm. to see if this is going to work or test out working with this particular supplier or trade Mm. or whatever the case is. But you are basically paying to learn, Um, which which I think is fine. I think that's all part of the process as long as you then... Once you you get on a roll with that, then you're starting to increase prices and and Mm -hmm. move forward with that. So how's your marketing changed? Like how you treat it now versus to the early days? I'm probably a lot more detached from it. Oh, I like that. I see it a lot more strategically, whereas before I was very emotionally connected to it. And that has come from the not caring or caring less about what other people think, totally swimming in my own lane. And I very much now have the mindset that I am focused on adding value to the people that are paying my bills, not the people (laughs) who, um, you know, aren't paying my bills basically. So as long as I am all about that client and helping them, then it's pretty simple to Mm. now write copy for you know, marketing. It just kind of flows yeah. now. Simple things like I've started putting signs outside the houses that I'm yes. working on. It's so simple. I don't know why I haven't thought of this before. <laughs> Builders and tradesmen do it all yeah. the time, but interior designers don't, but it, it makes total sense. So yeah. I had this client um, and they were quite business savvy and they mm. said, oh, like, Sarah, should we put in a sign out the front of our house and yeah. people can, um, you know, see it. Anyway, I did. And dead set, I've had like so many people call me off that and I've had several appointments off that and then got jobs off that. And so then I put signs out the front of their house and it's just had this flow on effect. It means that it's it stays quite local. But as long as I'm focusing, I'm only putting signs up in those areas that I want to multiply in those areas then it makes total sense so that has worked really well filming my jobs before and after like Mm. professionally getting them filmed it's quite a marketing investment so I only I pick and choose which jobs I want to show and that comes down to are we only showing the work that you want to then get more of um, whether that's a style thing or um, you know location or whatever I created a really high value lead magnet, which you helped me with, Emily. (laughs) Um, I didn't want to do just like a one or two page thing on like, Mm. you know, how to renovate your house or how to style Mm. your bar card or whatever. I wanted it to be really reflective of my brand. And that was, it needed to look good. It needed to show that I was an expert, that I knew what I was talking about, but also I wanted someone to read that and think I really want to talk to her she sounds really nice like I feel like she's the right person for me all from reading that magazine so the lead magnet is basically I designed it like a a, um, interiors magazine it took a while to put together um, so I did all the initial legwork with an assistant and then we gave it to my graphic designer to you know zhuzh up so now it basically looks like this little 
magazine, like a little home beautiful or house and garden or something. And it just has like my past jobs in there. It has tips in there. It has like me speaking about this is why I made this selection in this job. This is why I did like really breaking down the process of how I put these interiors together because I realized I just automatically do these things, but actually people find it really interesting as to why did I choose those lights or why did I do that rug. I started being more consistent with sending out monthly e-newsletters. Mm-hmm. And I know now that off the back of each of those newsletters, I'll get at least two people inquire to me after I send out a newsletter, like book a call with me or mm-hmm. um, book a consultation, whatever. And that was the other thing. Um, I added in a discovery call, uh, like a project planning call now on the website, which again, you helped me with. <laughs> it just was that obvious first step for people. Because you know, once you speak with people, it's just that like connection. It's just an easy yes for them to work with you. Yeah, I think it's, um, again, because the service is so personal, people feel a bit nervous about letting someone into their house. I think yeah. they just want to talk to someone about that before. Like they want to talk to you before they let yeah. you in sometimes or just ask questions. And so I think it was just a, a really nice, easy way um, for them to do that. So I set that up mm. on the website. It has a Calendly link where they click through, they can book a time, yeah. you know, and it's just 15 minutes where I get on the phone and answer their questions. They tell me like what's not working and then they inevitably feel like, oh, okay, I feel comfortable now with her. And it also means I can um, preempt things like this is what I will go through in the consultation and this is if you decide to go ahead with a bigger project, this is the process of how it works and, and they can ask those questions. So that was just a really nice natural first step and I found then the conversion from that is huge going into a consultation and then going on to um, a project and and that as well so the other thing I added in um, so I have two different consultations Mm. price points but then I also added I found some people didn't want to do whole project with me but they wanted more than just the one-off consultation Mm -hmm. so I set up where they can buy a block of 10 hours or 20 hours of design time with me and they can use that however they want. So it means that they don't have to have this really specific scope of work locked in. I might meet them at a showroom because they're looking at a new lounge and we can talk Mm. through that or meet them at home and we can go through all their finishes for their renovation and just like they can get decisions made and then they go off and execute. So they're not paying me to do that, but they're just getting, it's their chance to have that expert time with Mm -hmm. me and somebody who's not their friend and emotionally (laughs) invested in the experience, like an actual professional who's going to tell you, this is what I think you should do. And I'm amazed at how like, grateful they are about that and how appreciative and for me that's just like one on a business level it 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 makes sense to package things up like that but two on a personal level I walk out thinking oh my god I just like made somebody's life so much easier Mm. because of the information that was already in my head and I got paid to do that like how how cool on both levels let's talk about like the business growth what that has looked like over these past like year or so what has that looked like for you Specifically in terms of like my end revenue, it's definitely increased. But I think being a service-based business, I have quite low overhead. So I could kind of come in, set up from day one and off I go type thing. So in my first year, my revenue was 185,000. And then now at the end of my second year, I'll I'll definitely go past that. Um, So that was a really huge thing for me to, especially coming out of that partnership, 
going through all of that emotional turmoil to then end up at the end of that year with that revenue. I was like, oh, that's really cool. That might be absolutely nothing to some people. It might be a lot of money. But again, it doesn't matter because I was swimming in my own lane to just be like, okay, I made that money off my own bat and it felt so good. And especially because that year, like I said, was all about the seed sowing, like all about just discovery of who do I want to be working with? What's my brand look like? What are my systems and processes? Like figuring all of that stuff out. And I mean, I paid for a lot of lessons as well. So, Mm. but you don't come into business day one and get everything right. Um, If that were the case, then yeah, we would all make a a lot of money. So it probably could have been better had I known what I know now. And I loved what you said around like just money is money and it's completely right. To some people, it's like, what? I can only dream of making that. And for other people, it's like, oh yeah, I make maybe like three, four, five, ten times that. Like, it's just, it's just what it is. So yeah, I love that you shared. Thank you. And it's been okay with that as well. And I didn't know where, like, I've never really shared that sort of stuff before. Mm -hmm. So because you don't know where you sit in comparison to other people. But then I thought, oh, it doesn't matter though. Like I I don't need to compare myself to to anyone else. So um, if me sharing that today helps one person out there, you know, take comfort or motivates them or gives them a little boost, then that's great. That's why I'm sharing it. Thank you, Sarah. I love that because I'm the same, like hearing other people, other business women, hearing like what their own processes and journeys. And then also hearing like, the money side of things too, I think it show it can show us what's possible as well. How do you feel different about the way that you market now? How did it used to feel in terms of when you were thinking about marketing to now? It feels a lot easier now mm. and it feels less forced. I used to get so much, um, I guess, anxiety around putting anything out there to the point where I just wouldn't do anything. I was happy to go and have face-to-face meetings with people, but the whole digital marketing thing really, really scared me. But as soon as I then got in my head, actually, all I need to focus on is my potential clients and what's going to bring value to them focus on that. The rest doesn't matter. So it then made it easy because I knew what their issues were. I knew that they were overwhelmed with things that they didn't have time to go and um, source stuff. They didn't know where, where to find it. They didn't understand trading language and um, builders and tradesmen were quite intimidating and and all of that. They didn't know how to manage all of that when they've got, you know, three little kids running around and they're Mm -hmm. trying to work and balance this and that and all of all the things. So as soon as I just started speaking to that, showing up and speaking like I do, Mm because that was the other thing, I would write these (laughs) captions like, you know, it it almost felt a bit corporate. It was silly Um, uh, because I was trying to be this high-end designer to justify (laughs) like my brand and my fees and all of this stuff but then mm. as soon as I just started speaking like uh, I do when somebody calls me then all of these people that are perfectly aligned for me just came to me so now mm. I have people just email me or dm me and say like in the nicest possible way I totally know everything about you I've stalked you I know <laughs> I know your husband's name's Tim I know your dog's <laughs> name's Marla like they know stuff about me because they've been watching me and I find yeah. that so so amazing and that's what's quite rewarding now because I think, oh, my marketing has worked because it's just come from this really natural place that I'm just 
it's so much more conversational now, whether it's copy on the website or social media stuff or blog posts. Mm. It's just like I'm having a conversation with a potential Mm. client. And that's how I look at it now. And so therefore the stress and anxiety around that just, it's gone. I don't feel like that any anymore. You know, I beat myself up about not being consistent with things and oh my gosh, I should be posting three times a week. I should be doing stories every single day. I should, I should, I should, I should, I should. And then it was like, you know what, first of all, let's just take that should word right out of the vocabulary because that is not good for any of us. (laughs) And I've now come to the realization that, you know what, some weeks it just flows and I get all the things done. And some weeks it doesn't. Some weeks I don't post Instagram at all. And you know what? The world doesn't fall apart and the business doesn't fall apart. And that's okay. That's the thing, isn't it? People get so, they think I've got to be consistent content, consistent content, like post every day. Ultimately, like if you're posting the right stuff and you are on there, like clients are going to find you, connect with you and inquire. I know that people watch me for a few months before they'll contact me. Yeah, they're usually reaching out either via the website. They've usually mm-hmm. gone, okay, I like you on Instagram. Yep. Go have a look at the website, check that out. They might either book a call or they'll email me through that. Like I've seen a huge increase mm-hmm. in that. Like there's definitely a direct correlation to following through to inquiries. And then I know once the inquiry comes through, once I speak to them, yeah. I'll know straight away whether we're a right fit. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes we're not. And like past me would have gone, oh God, I need to like make this work and just like try and (laughs) make it fit. Now I'm just in the most lovely way. Mm. I just sometimes have to say, I actually don't think I'm the right person for you because of X, Y, Z. I'm not trying to be mean, but it is just focusing on, I actually don't think I can serve your needs. The other thing I was going to touch on, which I thought might be interesting for some people is challenges some of the things that have been challenges for me which might um, resonate with people one of them was like being okay with I can't do everything Mm. because I have this real thing and I know a lot of other entrepreneurs have this of like oh my god I've got so many ideas and I just I just want to do everything right now that's why we're entrepreneurs it's like so many ideas (laughs) so many ideas have the balls all in the air all at once and if I didn't achieve them or if I didn't do that um then I would beat myself up about it and it's so silly and it's just so ridiculous and we just all need to stop Mm. doing that immediately so I would think oh I need to do like have Instagram going I need to have Facebook I've got to get on LinkedIn get that sorted out because you know everyone on LinkedIn has a house as well so I need to be on that got to be on Pinterest because I've got to be on Pinterest like got to be on Pinterest (laughs) got to have newsletters going out got to have the blogs all of these Mm. things TikTok god exhausting TikTok (laughs) I haven't gone there yet but (laughs) it's exhausting just like even Mm -hmm. thinking about that let alone executing it and executing it in a way that is strategic and yeah. um you know effective for the time that you're putting into it so this has probably only happened in the last six months really yeah. to just take a step back and think it's mm. all right you do not have to do all of those things yeah. if you're going to be in business for a long time which i plan on being like what is the rush on this ticking every one of those boxes to just stress myself out and yeah. make myself feel like a There's failure no rush no instead of focusing on just the couple of things that are really working and then as i grow then i can hire more people to yeah. you know execute those other things for me but i don't have to keep beating myself up and writing my monthly goals of like 
um, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest, all of those things, and then getting to the end of the month and going, oh, God, I didn't do that again. Yeah. That is just silly. So, like, Mm -hmm. I've let that go. The other thing is I've had, like, quite a lot of health stuff going on the last 18 months that I've had to deal with in the background, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And it's been, like, quite a a personal endeavour and battle, I suppose. But I used to, um, again, it was this whole idea of when I wasn't feeling well on on some days like thinking I have to do this and I have to drag Mm. myself to these meetings and I have to write these blog posts and I have to do this and this and this and this now I've got to a stage where I just think you know what I just need to honor whatever this season is in my life and in my business again I'm going to be in business for a long time so like we don't have to do all the things Mm. I'm much better at listening to my body and some days are really hard and some days I think you know what today if I just answer my emails and I'm going to call that a win and that's okay and other days it just everything flows I'm really Mm -hmm. sociable I'm really like just get all the things done it just works and I find for me that's just every month it's just those different seasons I don't have to do everything this week and then the next week it's like I can do everything (laughs) This is what I want people to realize. So thank you for sharing. It's like working in like sprints and strolls is okay. Like, again, you know, you're not going to be consistent the whole time. (laughs) That's exactly right. I think I look back and I could probably have grown this business. It could be a lot bigger than what it is now. But that would be at this absolute sacrifice of my health, friendships, my marriage, definitely. Mm. And I think like that is so not worth it. And the mm. whole idea of me wanting my own business in the first place was because I wanted more flexible time. Mm-hmm. I wanted yeah. to have this, you know, capacity to do things that I wanted to do, yeah. um, not just on the weekends or after work. Mm. I, I wanted it to be a real lifestyle. Um, so it's almost like you spend this whole time chasing this utopia yeah. of what life should be like. But if you're just running and running and running, then you're never yeah. going to, you're going to be falling over as you get there. So that's really been a um, a huge challenge that I've had to go through that I'm still in it, but definitely starting to come out the other side. And a lot of that of dealing with that is only taking on jobs that I can handle, Mm. um, only taking on clients that I feel aligned with, making sure all those systems and processes are set up in the back end so that the clients that I do take on have a really, really great customer service mm-hmm. experience, even on the days where I am not feeling like I can, yeah. you know, be the best version of myself and facilitate that. They're still getting a really great customer service experience. Yeah. So I think I just wanted to share that because mm-hmm. I know a lot of women especially go through really challenging times with health. It's something that I've learned to just step back from now and um you know what some afternoons i just need to have a little power nap and i do even if it's like on a wednesday <laughs> afternoon and i think oh, oh God, this feels naughty i shouldn't be doing this it feels naughty but i'm trying not to let it feel naughty like it's like well why is this no- like i'm allowed a nap if i want a nap like this is my business I think it's also like the idea that you should always like be growing the biggest business possible. And it's almost like growth, business at all costs, hustle. And then I think we start questioning like, that's actually not what I want. That's not why I created this business. I want my lifestyle and then this really successful business and they work hand in hand. I 100% agree. And somebody asked me in um, an interview a few months ago, like, what I'd learnt. And one of the things in reflection I thought was um, 
finding out what success means to you, mm. not what it, the status quo is. It got me thinking, yeah, success to me isn't about building this huge business. It isn't yeah. about having a fancy office and having yeah. 10 employees and all of that. It, it's yeah. so not that. It is more about like working with my husband, having this design yeah. and build business, doing our own projects, doing client projects who with clients who are perfectly aligned for us, having flexibility to still be able to go and, you know, take time off, go and travel or work on our own projects, all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And building just a, a small but tight team around us. Yeah. Um, not having, yeah, all the bells and whistles type stuff. And I think we're all sort of slowly starting to realize that yeah. it doesn't have to be all this fancy thing. Like success doesn't have to be all the, those material things. It's just what, what you want and then go after that. So, yeah, that's definitely something I've come to terms with. <laughs> it's so important to get clear and keep remembering, like, what is our vision for the business too? Because I was the same. I was just like, okay, well, the next stage is – is it having an office and having staff? And I'm like, that just makes me feel sick. I don't want that. So yeah, I love it. Having that clarity and realizing even though for other people, maybe success looks different, that's just not what you want. Thank you so much for joining me. I've loved this chat. Where can everyone go to find you? On Instagram, they can find me at Sarah underscore Yarrow or my website is sarahyarrowinteriors.com. So either of those places, they will find me. So I would love if anyone reaches out, they want to talk further or um, you know, any advice or anything like, please reach out. Wonderful. And the links will be below as well. So everyone can go click them and go and find Sarah. Let her, let her know that you heard her on the podcast. Thanks, Emily. Thank you for listening to The Emily Osmond Show, brought to you by my Instagram freebies, which you'll find at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. So please take a few seconds to leave me a review, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and be sure to take a screenshot of this podcast, upload it to your social media, and tag me at Emily Osmond so I can give you a shout out too. Until next time, remember connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.